Money FM 89.3, best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. We're live on Facebook. So for a change, if you're listening to us live on Money FM 89.3, we thought we'd let you have a look at what Christopher Tan looks like, his appearance. It's too good to miss out on. He's one of our favorite wealth advisors. I first met him at the launch of his book, Money, Wisdom, Simple Truths for Financial Wellness. And I must say, Chris, uh, you know, when I read your book, I picked it up, I heard you talk about it. I thought, you know, I really need to meet Chris Tan, CEO of Provident, because what he has to say really resonates with me on a personal level. And I'm sure it's going to make a difference to the lives of many listeners. And so here we are, years later, Chris, uh, talking and I thank you for being open to this conversation where you share your lessons on investing and saving and insurance uh, with us and our listeners. I really wanted to do this show, Chris, because as I mentioned, I was out shopping and having lunch and next to me was a table of elderly women. And, you know, it's sort of an occupational hazard, but I eavesdrop all the time. So I heard what they were talking about and there were worries about MediShield, what it meant for them. And they were wondering if they bought an IP at their age, 65, would it make any sense because they had developed all high cholesterol, um, they had developed high blood pressure, and they were worried that after years of paying these premiums, eventually they wouldn't be covered because of these exclusions. So that's among the topics that we're going to be talking about. But Chris, let's start with a recap of the year 2021. What would you say are some of your biggest realizations when it comes to money? Let's narrow it down when it comes to investing in 2021, Chris. Right, right. So good morning, Michelle, and thank you so much for having me. It's really my privilege and honor. Some biggest realization, I think there are quite a few uh, in the year 2021. I think the first one is do not focus on short-term volatility, rather focus on long-term returns. I know we've been hearing this again and again, but the last two years, especially during the pandemic, we really see this playing out. I mean, firstly, the financial markets has been, you know, as we know, last year, March 2020, came down by 30%. But after that, you know, before the end of last year, went up 16%. And it continued to grow year to date up to November, 13%. So if you have been gripped by fear last year and sold off all your positions, then you would have missed the returns. And the markets are behaving right now, you know, wonky again. It goes up and down, you know, every other day. I hope, you know, uh, we remember this lesson. Uh, I think the other thing that I want to talk about is avoid the FOMO of, you know, fear of missing out from cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about cryptocurrency this year. Mm-hmm. I, I think something to ask ourselves this year as we look back is whether we can accept the volatility risk and the possible capital loss with cryptocurrency, right? The I mean, this year, again, I checked the Bitcoin, for example, chart this year, and it started at 30,000 at the beginning of 2021. And then it reached its peak at about 63,000 in April, a few months later. And then three months later from the peak of 63,000, it went back down to 30,000. And then you know, four months later, it went to a new high, you know, in uh, in July, mm. 67,000. And now it's back to, I don't know, around about 50,000 50, again. Yeah. yeah, so I think when it comes to investing, if you're investing in equities, I think it's about looking at the long term. I mean, the short term is always volatile. And if you are like, wow, you know, I don't want to miss out on cryptocurrency, you really got to ask yourself, you know, can you take this kind of volatility as we've seen in 2021? 
Okay, just play devil's advocate, Chris. Uh, I've been doing you know radio for a very long time. In 2012, I sat across a man who wrote a book on cryptocurrency, and he told me to buy Bitcoin. Mm. And then uh, Bitcoin mm. was going at you know two hundred dollars. So yeah. you know who's to say how cryptocurrency is going to shape up and whether or not it is going to be the bedrock of a new financial system. Right, right. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, digital currency or we call it in general, right, it's definitely going to be in the future. Mm. I think we are seeing it right now. I mean, I don't know about you, Michelle, I hardly use cash. Yeah. You know, even I go and buy my day right this morning at the hawker center and the uncle, uh, the auntie actually said, yeah, you can pay now me, you know. So oh. I don't even use, I don't even use coins and cash anymore. <laughs> so I think it's definitely the future. Yeah. But cryptocurrency, like all currency, is a store of value. Mm. Right, and mm. its value comes from acceptance. So the key really is whether you'll be accepted, when it will be accepted, which cryptocurrency is going to be accepted. Now I'm not saying don't buy, yeah. but you got to think about these things and ask yourself whether you have time to wait for it to mature. You know, because for some of us, I mean, I'm in my fifties, right, and uh, I'm going to retire soon, and I definitely cannot put all my eggs into crypto because by the time I really need money it may not be accepted yet, right? AI, so, AI might, might so, go to zero as well, right? Yeah, so yeah, you have yeah, no idea. yeah. So yes, it's a potential, but you've got to ask yourself some of these questions. Okay, sound advice. We're talking to Chris Tan, CEO of Provident, one of our favorite commentators when it comes to personal finance on his lessons for uh, what he's learned about money and investing. Now, uh, you started in the field of insurance, you know, 20 years experience. What have you learned in 2021 that you feel we should all take note of when it comes to insurance, Chris? Right. Yeah. So this year, you know, I really learned or rather remind myself that we cannot uh, depend on corporate medical plans. One day we will lose it. So recently, I actually met up with a retired C-suite executive of a MNC. Mm. And when he was still with his company, actually, he was uh, very well covered, you know, for his medical expenses. Yeah. But, you know, when he retired, he lost all that and he wanted to buy a hospital plan for himself. But unfortunately, he's no longer insurable due to a, a recent cancer claim. And so, uh, I mean, he was he's like scrambling around asking whether, you know, I can help him find one. So it reminded me that, you know, for many of us, especially if you're a senior exec, you know, you have got a fantastic corporate plan, but don't rely on it. Buy one before, you know, you lose your insurability. Now, the other thing is in this year, I mean, the big news is we know uh, the IP riders, you know, they got uh, sort of like converted to a partial rider. Mm. In the past, you know, Michelle, we can buy full rider. But now this year, uh, I think it was April this year, mm. uh, the government made it such a way that the insurers cannot offer full rider anymore. So many of us right now, if you go to the hospital, we need to pay at least about 5%, you know, subject to a certain cap if we go to their, their panel of doctors. But if they don't, uh, if we don't go to the panel of doctors, then there might be no cap. Now, all that seems like I've got no choice. And automatically on our policy anniversary, many of us listeners, mm. you may automatically be converted to partial rider. And you think, okay, that's fine. But just... I'm just going to ask all of us to go and check with your advisors what kind of partial rider you have been converted to because there are some differences because I really do not want the case whereby one day if you're hospitalized, you're in for a root shock because the partial rider that you are in may not be the one that you expect. So just go and check. Don't just you know auto-convert and do nothing about it. Don't leave it to the auto-conversion. Call your advisor. Yes. Ask them, what does my rider entitle me to when it comes to the claimable bit, right? And yes, the, um, right. Uh, the 5%. And what is the cap? 
That's right. And, and and you know what? If you want to choose a non-panel doctors, non-panel uh, doctor. I mean, uh, uh, non-panel doctors, yeah. And because you know, even like you know, one of the most uh, common, or rather, the insurer that a lot of Singaporeans use, uh, NTUC income, even their partial rider has got two kinds. So you may be automatically converted to a kind that you actually do not like, and you want to change to the other kind. Mm. Yeah. So my advice is, don't just leave it like that. Go speak to your advisor. Find out uh, what your sure writer you entitles you to and if that is what you want and what the other options right. are out there, right? That's I mean, right. even That's this right. idea of, you know, before you go for a procedure, whether they will issue an LOG, is that you, know, you can ask all these questions, right, Chris? That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, nowadays, you know, even if you sometimes, even if you go for a small procedure, you mm. know, like some uh, 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 so-called doctors at the clinic, uh, it could be a $5,000, $6,000 procedure. I mean, in a whole scheme of things, it's not a big medical expense. Mm. But some of them, they will ask for a letter of guarantee from your insurer. Yeah, So you may want to ask your insurer some of these things, you know, uh, how fast you can get your LOG and, and all that. Yeah, but point really is, you know, uh, you don't realize how important a hospitalization insurance is until you get hospitalized. But don't wait until then before you decide that, oh, shucks, I actually got the wrong one. Right. Good point. Um, I want to ask you about um, insurability. You mentioned this earlier, and this goes back to my talking to you about these elderly women worried about whether they were not insurable because they were older. They're mid-60s, mm. so not 75 over when you can qualify for an IP. And they were worried that if they signed up for an IP themselves or if their child bought an IP for them and they had already mm. developed high blood pressure, they'd already developed cholesterol, they thought, could there be a possibility where after years of paying for the premiums, they don't, they're not covered under the IP because the insurer says, mm-hmm. you know what, you have all these pre-existing conditions, so we're not going to cover it. So is, are you ever too old to buy an IP for yourself or for your parent, mm-hmm. for, for example? Yeah. So, I mean, the first question I think we've got to ask ourselves is what is our healthcare expectation, right? I mean, the fortunate thing for all of us here in Singapore, if we are Singaporeans or PR, mm-hmm. we all get MediShield Life, right? And that's regardless of our pre-existing illnesses. So, we get covered. But MediShield Life is only suitable if you want to stay in a B2 and C ward. These are subsidized wards. But if you're not happy with that, you have a higher healthcare expectation. You want to go to B1, you want to go to a Mount E, Grand Eagles, you know, and all that. Then you really have to upgrade your IP. Now, what is the last age of entry for IP? Uh, that's age 75, right? And now, if you have gotten into an IP uh, and subsequent to that, you develop illnesses, that's fine. We all know that because you bought the insurance before you had all these problems. Now, the problem comes if you are 65, 70, you know, like car breaking down, spare parts starts to spoil, you know, and then you want to buy that insurance and then you have all these pre-existing illnesses. Mm -hmm. It is possible that they might be excluded. Now, it depends on the kind of uh, illness that you have. Normally, if it's chronic, it will be excluded. But if it's an acute one, like for example, I've got appendicitis, you know, I went for an operation. I mean, that's just one time. I mean, you don't have a second appendix, right? So nothing to exclude, right? So you might be excluded for some of your pre-existing illness, uh, some of your pre-existing illnesses. And I know you're going to ask yourself like, is it worth it all? Because it's expensive, the premiums, you know, they can go up. If you join at 65, you're paying over a thousand. Yeah, and it doesn't cover this sort of this medical condition that I have. Is Mm. it worth it all? Yeah. Well, I'll say that we have no choice. I mean, we can't do anything about that pre-existing illness already. 
the question we've got to ask ourselves is, do we want to cover for things that has not happened but might happen, like cancer, right? And so if that is important for you, then I say, well, go and get an IP, despite the fact that there'll be some exclusion, but at least you cover for some things that might come out. Thank God you haven't had got it yet, yeah. All right, got it, Chris. Thanks for answering that one. Christopher Tan, CEO of Provident. If you're listening to us live on Money FM 89.3, hey, it's our Christmas surprise for you. You can watch Chris live as well on uh, Money FM's Facebook page. And um, there he is in all his glory after his workout. See what he looks like. <laughs> oh, my. Don't reveal to them. I just finished my workout smelly and stinky. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, let's talk about end-of-life planning. Now, um, most of us... T- don't psychologically we don't want to think about difficult things like end of life when we're critically ill when we've lost our mental capacity you know that that's the difficulty of i think anybody also selling insurance you understand that right we we we're not drawn to these Mm. topics but was there anything chris that happened in 2021 that made you think a lot more about this area of planning end of life planning yeah so well i had uh, i have a close relative who was uh, suddenly diagnosed with stage four cancer just about four months ago i'm so sorry um unfortunately yeah after one session of chemotherapy the side effects caused him to hallucinate and then one night he fell and fractured his hip and within a span of uh, a few weeks his condition deteriorated just a few weeks you know i mean and he could not feed himself he cannot go to the toilet he cannot move his bowels he cannot move from chair to you know the bed and all that. he was basically uh, bedridden you know and well not only he could not uh, make decisions he lost his quality of life mm. uh, basically uh, it was just miserable to see him so the family actually brought him home from hospital to care for him and mm. actually that caused a lot of mental stress physical strain and misunderstandings in the family. So while he has drummed up his will before he fell ill to give instructions on his estate plan, should, I mean, he passed on, he actually did not make plans um, on how he would like to be cared for and how his properties should be managed. Mm. And uh, well, you know, I'll just say that a lot of us, you know, we think of writing a will, we think about, you know, planning upon our demise. But this part on a later life uh, planning uh, or sometimes termed as end-of-life planning is as important as legacy and estate planning but often neglected. So I just want to strongly encourage everyone of us here. I mean, things like ACP, advanced care planning, uh, do it because at least you can share your care preferences. Uh, lasting power attorney, this that's a legal document that sort of uh, ensure that you can appoint someone called a doni to take care of your personal welfare and property matters in mm-hmm. the event you are mentally incapacitated. And even something called advanced medical directive, which is basically if you are terminally ill, you can tell the doctor, pull away all life support uh, equipment. You know, I don't want to waste money. I don't want to be in pain. Yeah, so um, yeah, this is something I've seen and it, it just... Um, sort of like tell me how important it is to do these things one day we'll be there this close relative in fact he uh, passed away just two days ago so and I'm actually in the midst of uh, of, of uh, the wake you know and all that but yeah I, I really want to emphasize that ACP LPA AMD I'm so sorry for the loss of your relative Chris and thank you for sharing um, the decisions that we can all take and make to make uh, end of life a little less difficult for the people around us. I always think end-of-life planning is 
is your gift to the people around you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's right. And also, what is key is besides taking care of the people whom we love, it's also about preserving family harmony. Yes, yes. Right? It's not easy to make those instructions if you have siblings and one says, but that's not what I think father wants. And the other person say, no, no, you know, I want to preserve his life as long as he has a chance, um, you know, let the doctor do his thing. And then you see your father suffering and, and then maybe you know your father a bit better and said, no, he just doesn't want to be the shell of a man like he is right now, right? But yeah, so the last thing you want is, well, when the man goes, the family Swabbles. harmony is gone. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I totally understand that from a very personal level as well. Perhaps we'll do a whole show on that one day. Okay, um, you mentioned legacy planning now. Is that different mm. from end-of-life planning? Any reflections on legacy planning, Chris? Yeah, so legacy planning, I would say, is the next stage after end-of-life. Legacy planning for a lot of people is about, you know, how am I going to plan and how am I going to distribute my assets upon my demise? And so again, over the last 12 months, I, I don't know why, maybe it's because of COVID. Mm. I've actually seen quite a number of clients whom they are interested in estate and legacy planning. Perhaps, you know, COVID has caused them to think a bit more about their mortality. And these are clients actually with significant wealth and with assets spread over different jurisdictions and they are concerned over incidents of uh, taxes. And usually, you know, when, you know, when they first... Uh, uh, came to us, they were always wanted. They, they were always want to know the best legal structures to hold their assets, whether via a company structure under a trust or whether it should be onshore, offshore. And some will come telling us that they have been advised to buy insurance such as Universal Life. But I think you know, Michelle, mm -hmm. that's really, really the wrong starting point. I mean, the starting point is really to decide things like you know who you want to give, what to give what you want to retain for your own use in your lifetime, when do, you want to use, uh, when do you want to give it now or upon your demise, and the values that you want to pass down in the giving of your assets before deciding the legal structure and whether you need, really need funding instruments such as uh, universal life. I think this is the correct way to do this. Don't, don't, don't worry about what structure to hold, what products to buy. Somehow people think that uh, uh, legacy planning equals writing a will equals setting up a trust equals buying an insurance policy. I mean, those are just tools. But really, I think the starting point is sitting down asking ourselves, yeah, what does money mean to me? And when I want to pass that legacy, that financial legacy down, is there certain value that I hope that I can transfer mm. as I give this money? I think there's some more important things. The, the structure we can figure out, that's the easy part. Right, right. Really interesting. Chris Tan is CEO of Providence, sharing with us his insights from what he's observed in 2021. Things we can do to take better control of our money. In case you missed it earlier on, Chris shared some realizations to do with investing that he's picked up in 2021. Things that he's learned in the area of insurance. We talked about whether it's ever too late to buy an IP if you're older. Chris, we're going into December, December 17th today. What are some things you want to remind listeners? to do before the year ends? Yeah, I mean, we're just left slightly more than what one week, you know, nearing two weeks. <laughs> so if you have not, we always say this, if you have not, you know, open up your SRS account, please go and do it. The statutory retirement age is going to change next July to 63. Okay. Right. So, well, book your place for SRS. Even if you don't believe it, you're not sure whether you want to do it. 
go and open up an account. It's very easy. It's done on internet. Put $1 into the SRS account. What? And you have to you- do it yourself? It's not done automatically? Uh, yeah, it's definitely not done automatically. So you got to do it yourself, right? So you, you go to any of the three local banks, UOB, OCBC, DBS, you know, and then go online, open it up. You got to put $1, $1, you know, just $1. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you choke already. You choke the place, right? So choke meaning to say that you choke the age 62 statutory retirement age. Now, if you decide to fund your SRS account subsequently, well... Now, your permissible drawdown age before you get any penalty is age 62. Now, if you wait like another six more months after July next year, that penalty-free withdrawal age will go up to 63. So, well, $1 we can spare, right? So, just go $1 and chop your place. It will mean that you can withdraw it one year earlier, basically. Uh, yeah, yeah, one dollar, and it means that if you subsequently decide to fund your SRS account, yes, you can withdraw at age sixty-two without penalty. Without penalty, as yeah? opposed to having to wait without till penalty. sixty-three. That's right. That's right. Because we all know that SRS, uh, if you withdraw before the statutory retirement age, firstly, whatever you withdraw, you pay a penalty of five percent of what you withdraw. Ooh. That's quite huge. And then the amount that you withdraw will be added on to your debt year's income and tax accordingly, right? Now, so if you if you um, sort of like don't open an account now, you decide to open it end of next year, then that penalty-free withdrawal 5%, you can only do it after age 63, no longer after age 62. Okay, quick, go and book your place. Yeah, says, so simple. One dollar, right? No, no drawdown anything, right? It's just one dollar. Yeah, just one dollar. And it's a five <laughs> minutes job. Right? Go online, open an account, put one dollar and you are set. And then if, if you don't like SRS, then, then don't do it. You just, well, one dollar in the account. It gives you the option no of funding yes, your uh, SRS, yeah. which again, you know, we love our acronyms in Singapore. Remind us what SRS means. It's... Super retirement scheme. I'm just kidding. A supplementary <laughs> retirement scheme. <laughs> supplementary retirement scheme. Okay. Yeah. So and I can do it any bank. Any bank, or do I have to go to CPF? Uh, no, the three local banks. Three local banks to do it. Okay. Yeah, the Got three it. local banks. OCBC, Chris, OB, what DBS. great Christmas present that is for us at the end of the year. Any final advice as we try to face 2022 with a bit more optimism? Well, I'm not sure optimism, but more more introspective, more reflective. Um, you know this pandemic has definitely taught many of us that life is uncertain and we can die anytime. My father passed away last year, suddenly during the circuit breaker. And even as I speak now, like I say, you know, my relative has just passed away uh, two days ago. So even as we make wealth decisions, at the end of the year, as we are reflective, as we make wealth decisions, I hope that, you know, your wealth decisions, let it be subordinated to your life decisions. Let not the wealth decisions define who we are, Mm. but rather enable who we want to be. Mm. So that one day when we are gone, we can say that we have lived a purposeful life with the wealth that we have gained and we leave behind a lasting positive legacy. And I think, Michelle, that is the true essence of uh, legacy planning. So as the year comes to a close, you know, I just thought I'll leave you something to think about because usually at the end of the year, people like to think about resolutions. Oh, yeah. yeah. And things like oh, that. Yeah, we, we yeah but on a positive January. note, yeah. mm-hmm. next year is definitely going to be a better year. I mean, we have we have <laughs> gone through two years of COVID already, you know. It's about time that virus go away. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wonderful, Chris. Thank you very much for your reflections on 2021. I sometimes lose track of time, honestly. Uh, And we're coming up close to the news. Chris, I'll let you go get your bath after your workout. Thanks so much for doing this for us. Thank you, thank you. On short notice. (laughs) Christopher Tan, CEO of Providence, sharing his reflections on personal finance for 2021. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.